but it's very much a personal thing for me as well. As a single man in his 20s, I want to get married. And so I'm, I'm thinking about this from, from my perspective too. And last fall, I was actually in a relationship at the time, but from the pastoral and the biblical side, I was thinking about what does the Bible say about this? A lot of times you go into, you know, a sermon will be preached on this, and you come out of it, and there's not practical advice that's also biblical. And so I was trying to think through times in the Bible where you had single young people who were struggling to find spouses, and they had to find a solution to that. You don't have many stories like that. But there's one story in the Bible that I think speaks directly to us, and I think it gives a really practical, godly, helpful solution to single people who are trying to find a spouse. Also, I think it speaks to dating people and married people. We'll get to that as well. So if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 24. We're about to read what is the longest single story in Genesis outside of the story of the flood. So for some reason, the author of Genesis, who's Moses, decided to write a whole lot about this one story. It's about a family. You've probably heard of them. The dad's name was Abraham, mom's name was Sarah. They had a son named Isaac. Sarah just died. She was very old when she had Isaac and she had just passed away. Isaac now is about 40 years old, still single, still wanting to get married. They gotta figure out what's going on. Here's the problem. They're living in a land that God had told Abraham, the dad, I'm gonna give this to your descendants. So they wanted to stay in that land that God said. But the problem was they looked around that land and they were surrounded by people called the Canaanites, people who didn't live according to what God wanted. They had some pretty horrific practices. And so they looked around, and you felt this before single people. You look around your dating apps, you think, is everybody out here just a psycho? Is everybody out here just crazy? Like, what is going on in this world where all these people are out here? That, they were looking around and thinking the same thing. We can't, we can't have Isaac marry people from around here. So what did they do? Here we go, Genesis chapter 24. And I think this brings so much clarity and help to us as we're trying to find godly spouses. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. Now, I want to stop there for a second. Obviously, the story goes on. But, but a couple of key things to point out here. First of all, Abraham was committed that Isaac would not marry someone from that area. Go back to people we know, people who we're familiar with, people who we share common values with. Go to those people. And what's interesting here, and single people, this is where you start taking notes. If you want to find a godly spouse, you need godly help. You need godly help to create a healthy marriage. You need it. You don't want it because what you want is for your quest for a romantic partner to be a private thing because it's embarrassing. And when you get rejected or when you have an awkward situation, you'd rather no one know about it. But you need godly help to create a healthy marriage. And that's the goal. You should not be dating unless you're dating in the direction of marriage. It doesn't mean you're going to marry everyone you date, right? Because that would be a polygamy, and we don't like that. But it does mean that you start dating. You, you're, you're serious about dating. You're not going out just to have a good time or ladies just to get a free meal if the guy's paying, although that's a perk. I'm like, why would you say no to a date? I just tell them they have to take me to steak dinner every time. But, but like you, you, you say yes to dates. You go on dates. You connect with other people in the direction of marriage. 
And here's what Abraham did for his son Isaac. He went and he asked somebody for help. You know, maybe the key to you finding a godly spouse is you asking somebody in your life for help. You being vulnerable enough to ask someone to help you find someone to date. Abraham does it. And then the servant said to him, and I love this, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? It's like, you know, they were going up, going up somewhere. It's like, what if she's not willing to move back to Mississippi? Who wants to move to Mississippi? What happens then? And shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? And this is Abraham's response. Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household, out of my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. So what's fascinating about this is Abraham knew exactly what God's will was for him long term. And God's will for him and his offspring was to stay in this land God was going to give to them. And he trusted God so much that he wasn't willing to compromise along the way. And you need to hear this too. Because once you start dating, especially in this world, it is so easy to compromise on what your values are and what's important and start saying, well, you know, like, I know I had these values about maybe I'm only going to marry a Christian. But you know what? We live in a different kind of world today. And you start compromising on your values. But Abraham knew exactly what God had called him to. And he was asking for help, but he wasn't willing to compromise on what he knew God was calling him to do in the process. Can I challenge you as a single people today? It is better to remain single your whole life and follow Jesus than to compromise and get married. Even to someone you love so much. Even to someone who makes you so happy. It is better to stay in the will of God and stay single than to compromise and find a spouse. Can I say this to, to married people? It's better to stay married and even go through periods of unhappiness. It's better to stay married and have, be married to a jerk, and you know it because you are. It's better to be in that position than to divorce that person on grounds that are not biblical and feel freedom and happiness. It is always better to stand on God's word and trust him than it is to do what makes you happy, period. Abraham was not willing to compromise on what God had said in order to get his son a spouse. Now, you may be thinking, well, like, okay, well, why is Abraham so concerned about getting Isaac a spouse? Back in this time, your offspring, your kids and grandkids were incredibly important. And if you didn't have kids or you didn't have grandkids, it was like you ceased to exist when you died. And so for Abraham, this is existential. This is so important to him. Just like single people, just like you finding someone to love you and that you love is so important to you. But Abraham was willing to give all that up to follow what God had said. Okay, so this, this is what happens. Verse 10. The servant left. He took with him 10 of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out from Aram Nahiram and made his way to the town of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening the time the women go out to draw water. In other words, this is peak time to meet some single ladies. You want to meet some single ladies? You go out when it's evening, they're coming to get the water, and you just kind of lean up against the well and say, how you doing? <laughs> it's like, if only, 
If only we still had town wells today, it would be so much easier. You could come up and you see that lady, see, you just get your water. You're not even thinking about the guys, but that guy's right there. He's like, yo, what's up? Can you give me some water? And you're like, yeah, I can, babe, you know? And it works out. It's like, boom. If we just had town wells, but we don't have town wells. So he's out there, and this, this is interesting. He starts to pray. Verse 12, it says, then he prayed, Lord, and, and you might want to take notes on this because this prayer works. I'm just going to give you a little heads up. So something about this prayer works, so maybe single people start praying this prayer. He prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. Show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. How you doing? And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. In other words, she likes the dog in the picture. She's swiping on the dog, right? She's like, hey, I'll help your camels as well. Let her be the one that you've chosen for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So they're very simple. Lord, the girl who comes out and is willing to give me water, and then she also offers to get water for my camels, let that, let that be the one. Let that be the one. Before he had finished praying, Re Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. In other words, he's still saying the words. He's still, he's still getting it all out. And while he's getting it out, God answers his prayer. Here's something I want you to see. God answers the prayer of somebody else to find a wife for Isaac. God uses someone else to meet Rebecca to find a wife for Isaac. You see, here's what we've done in America. We are so individualistic. We are so focused on ourselves and what we can do and how we can find what we want. We're so focused on ourselves that we forget God can speak to other people just as clearly about your relationship as he can to you. In fact, often God can speak more clearly to other people about your romantic life than he can to you. Because your, your mind starts going crazy when you think about your own romantic life. God can lead other people to connect you to somebody. This goes whether you're single or dating or married. God can use others to lead you to the right thing. Because here's what we know. You need godly help to create a healthy marriage. And so, so God uses this servant who prays a prayer and then meets a young lady. He can then connect that young lady, Rebecca, back to Isaac. Now, the, the rest of the story is long. We're not going to read the whole thing. But I want you to see what happens to our boy Isaac. We're going to skip ahead a few verses to the end of chapter 24. And it says this in verse 62. Now, Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for who was living in the Negev. He went out into the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up. She was coming back to meet him and saw Isaac. And she got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet me? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and she covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all that he had done. And Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah, so she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Our boy got a girl. Our 40-year-old dude living in the middle of a bunch of pagans who were psychos found a wife. Not because he went out and tried harder himself, but because he had godly help to make it happen. What does this mean for your life as a single person? First of all, it means this. If you have a desire to get married, that desire is good. It is from the Lord, and you shouldn't act like, just because you're having trouble finding a spouse, that singleness is where you want to be. And here's the other thing you need to do. You need to let other people into your struggle. Let other people into your struggle. 
This is going to be awkward. You, were, you guys were okay with this message until this point. If you're single and you want to find a spouse, you should go to godly people in your life and say, hey, would you pray with me about finding a spouse? And would you help connect me to anyone you think might be a good match for me? Because I'll tell you what, the algorithm on Tinder is probably pretty solid, and the algorithm on Match.com might be okay, but they don't know you personally and at a spiritual level. And when you go to a godly person who knows you personally and on a spiritual level, they can be praying with you. The algorithm doesn't pray. And they can be connecting you to people they know would be a decent match for you. You need godly help to create a healthy marriage. Can I turn it back to the people who are dating right now? You need godly help too. Because you know you found the one. Maybe just because they were the first person who would ask you out on a date. And you think it's got to be the one because they asked me out on a date and we get along so well and it's going well and they love Jesus. Can I tell you, just because they love Jesus and they ask you out on a date doesn't necessarily mean they're the person you need to marry. Now, maybe it is. But you need godly people in your life who can honestly speak to you. You should go to godly people in your life and say, can you evaluate my relationship for me? And I want you to be really, really honest if you think this is a relationship I need to reconsider. Who does that? Nobody. But you need godly help to create a healthy marriage. Maybe you're married right now. What you don't do is go to someone and say, hey, should I stay married to this person? Not what you do. What you do is you go to someone and you be honest about the struggles you're having in your marriage. I tell you, every marriage has struggles. If you've been married for two weeks, you know this. And most of us feel like we need to hold that on the inside, that somehow it's embarrassing that our marriage is the only one in the world that is not perfect. And when you hold that back, what you do is you end up hurting your marriage because you can't get godly help to create a healthy marriage. We need people in our lives. We need people praying for us and helping connect us. I want to tell you about my story a little bit. I'm going to get pretty vulnerable here right now. I was, I was dating someone this kind of the end of 2020. It was going really well. Then it just kind of fell apart. I know many of us have been in relationships like this. And I had been looking to God's word and saying, okay, what is the key? What's the answer? What's the solution to how to date in a godly way? And, and I, I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't feel personally that dating apps would be good for me. Again, I know they work for many people. I didn't feel like they would be a healthy thing for me. And so I decided not to go that route. And so what I did, I started, started calling trusted people up, literally around the nation. Uh, a lot around here, but around the nation said, hey, I could really use your help. I want to get married. I'm struggling to make that happen on my own. I'm apparently not equipped to do that on my own. I need some help. That's kind of an awkward conversation, you know? Like, I think for both sides of it. They're like, okay, uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you tried signing up for match.com? I mean, there's apps for that guy, you know? It's like, look, no, but I started calling people up. And I said, hey, could you pray with me about this? And then if there's anyone the Lord brings to your heart or puts in front of you or brings into your life, you think might be a good fit for me, would you, would you be willing just to connect me with that person? And that's it. And pray for us. That, that's a vulnerable thing to do. Single people, this isn't fun to do. Because uh, you start going to people that you, got, you may not know as well as some others. It gets, it gets harder and harder. So at this point, what I decided to do is create my own dating network. <laughs> like, if it's good enough for Tinder and everybody else, and they got their algorithm, we got the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to take the Holy Spirit over the algorithm any day. So start going to people and just say, pray with me, and, and, and would you connect me? And it's, it's been funny. Here's the other thing I do. I go to close people and the guys I live with, and anytime I'm considering a relationship or starting to talk to somebody, I'm incredibly open about it. 
from the very beginning. Conversation, before I even have a conversation with somebody, I'm like, hey, there's this new person. I might be talking with them soon. Just want to give you a heads up on it. And I keep them updated. And it's really fun, actually, because you got your little, like, cheerleading team in the background. They're kind of cheering for you, but they're kind of also making fun of you. And it's great. And so I, I, but I want to be very open because when I start to make it, it hide it and make it about myself, I want to make some dumb decisions. I just know that. Single people, we make dumb decisions on our own. Dating people, we make dumb decisions on our own. Married people, you make dumb decisions on your own. We need godly people to create healthy marriages. So I'll go around. So your, your next question you're going to ask me is, how's that going? Uh, you know, because I'm single right now. You're like, okay, so how's that, how's that going for you? Surprisingly well, actually. It's been incredible to see the people who are willing to. Like I have an aunt uh, who lives in Florida. And she'll, from time to time, she's old school, she emails me from time to time, people. And usually it's, it's hilarious because they will, they will pre-stalk the people for you on social media. And so it's great because they'll send you like all the social media accounts and everything. They're like, here's this. And we stalked them already. They look clean. Stalk them again. And it's, it's just great. But, but you have people. Have, I know I have people praying for me and connecting me. And it, it's amazing. Now, here's, here's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to go delete your dating apps. I think that's fine. By the way, I told you which dating apps you should use. From everybody I've talked with, Hinge is the one to use. Because you, you, you go way deeper than simply superficial responses. Or do they have a dog or cat in their picture? Uh, if you're going to do dating apps, you need to ask two questions from the beginning. You may not have to ask it, but figure those out either from their profile or from asking them. Are they a follower of Jesus? Here's how I'd ask that question. Not are you a follower of Jesus? Because if you live in Mississippi, the answer is of course. Here's the question you ask. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. That's kind of awkward because they're not quite sure to answer it. Let them answer it. The next thing you need to find out is not do they go to a church, because chances are if they go to a church, they don't go to it very much. You need to find out how are you involved at church? How are you connected at church? Ask those two questions. If, if, as long as both those come back positive and good and they're really connected and they are genuinely following Jesus, then it's good to go on a first date. Do it. But if, if, you, if the answer to either one of those is no, don't go on that date. So I'm not saying don't do dating apps, but for many of us, we've tried dating apps. We found out they don't work out very well. They leave us dissatisfied, discontent, maybe hurt in a lot of ways. You need to go to people who trust, who know you the best, who can help connect you, who can pray with you. So single people, here's your next action step. If you want to get married this week, write down a list of people in your life that you trust, who know you, and preferably not just people in your immediate circle because you need to create a network and go to those people and say, hey, would you pray with me about this? Would you, would you help me with this? Would you connect me to people with this? Will it be awkward? Yeah. Will you get some hilarious stories? Oh, yeah. It's great. It's wonderful. I've got a whole group of people rooting for me, praying for me, helping me because I did this. And it all comes back to, I think, the principle we see in the story of Abraham and Isaac, that God can speak just as clearly, if not more clearly, to other people about our romantic lives than he can ourselves. If you're dating or married today, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. If you don't have a group of people around you who are supporting and praying for your marriage, for your relationship, who are challenging your marriage and your relationship in healthy ways, then you need that right now. Your marriage will be at risk. Your dating relationship will be at risk of not honoring the Lord until you have that around you. Because you need godly help to create a healthy marriage. And for every single one of us who's not called to singleness, God wants a healthy marriage for your life.